0: Welcome to Season 13 of the Kol Hadash Podcast, featuring the literary readings and responses, as well as, of course, the sermons of Rabbi Adam Shalom. Rabbi Shalom is the leader of Kol Hadash Humanistic Congregation in Deerfield, Illinois, as well as the dean of the International Institute for Secular Humanistic Judaism. Season 13 episodes are from the High Holiday Services from the Jewish Year 5784, or 2023 CE. And the theme this year is relationship status. It's
1: complicated. Spoiler alert. People change. If we change, then our relationships with other people will also change. Consider parents and children. When we are five years old, we are convinced that our parents know everything. When we are 15 years old, we are sure that our parents know absolutely nothing. As time goes on, we become adults, maybe 25 years old, maybe 35. We realize that our parents are people, just people. Not perfect and not terrible. They are imperfect people who were sometimes wise and sometimes foolish. They made mistakes and they made good choices. Ideally, we forgive them their faults, we are grateful for their gifts, we learn from their best, we avoid their worst. A mature relationship with our parents as people is more complicated as adults than it was when we were five or 15. A complicated relationship is also richer, deeper, more realistic, more honest. We change, they change, the relationship changes, that is as it should be. This high holidays, we explore complicated relationships. How do we relate to Jewish tradition if we live non-traditional lives? How do we connect with groups without falling victim to groupthink? How should we relate to Israel as home to almost half of the world's Jews and an ethnic state entangled with Orthodox Judaism and all the problems those entail? In a season dedicated to repairing relationships, how can we better relate to each other in all of our complications? And can we come to term with our relationships with loved ones even after they are gone? Simplistic relationships have superficial rewards. And some relationships are so painfully complicated that we are better off letting them go. We will examine the in-between complicated relationships worth keeping despite their complications, perhaps worth keeping because of their complications. When we hear the word tradition, it's hard not to sing it. Tradition. The irony of the musical Fiddler on the Roof is that the show is really about how traditions fall apart, and sometimes for the better. In the original Yiddish stories about Tevye the Milkman, published around 1900, Tevye rejects his third daughter for marrying out, and there is no reconciliation. That ending reflected Jewish tradition. When Zero Mostel first played Tevye on Broadway, he played that moment of rejection with full anger. It was the anger of rejection he had felt from his family 20 years before when he married out. In that scene, his never cut to the quick. However, the Broadway musical written in the 1960s has a softer ending than the Yiddish original. Tevye eventually accepts Chana and her love. In our days, acceptance has also become a Jewish tradition celebrating love however and with whomever your children find it. The implied next act of the musical fiddler is Jewish success and freedom in America, with some traditions and without others. It is sad that Tevye has to leave his shtetl, but the fiddler comes with him, and we know where he goes and what happens after. If we had been Jews in the audience in 1964, we were the happy ending. Today we can sing tradition, and we can pick up brides and grooms on chairs, even if most of our actual grandparents never actually were picked up on chairs at their weddings. Thank goodness we do not have to live in the world of tradition described in that opening song, where women minded the children and tended the home, and men longed to sit in the synagogue and study the holy books seven hours every day, tradition up to a point. Tonight we celebrate a traditional Rosh Hashanah. It is after sundown on the first night of Tishrei, the first month in our current Hebrew calendar. We lit candles to begin our observance. We heard the shofar blow the three traditional sounds of tekiah, shivarim, teruah. Our shofar sounding was live and used the horn of an animal, not recorded or on a metal trumpet. We read from a Torah scroll and we heard Avinu Malkenu, at least a version of Avinu Malkenu. We have sung Hebrew. We have remembered our dead. We have stood in unison and we sat in unison. We thought about the year just concluded and we consider our choices for the year just begun. And our service will be followed by bagels. <laughs> a traditional Kol Hadash Rosh Hashanah. Tonight we are also celebrating a non-traditional Rosh Hashanah, We used sound amplification, we are webcasting, and we will turn out the lights at the end of the night. The Torah and rabbinic prohibitions on doing work on the holy day do not bind us. Our Torah reading was not the rabbinically required passage about Isaac's birth in Genesis 21, or his almost murder in Genesis 22, or the animal sacrifices offered when the Jerusalem Temple still stood. Our reading was something different that I chose, and it will be different next, Rosh Hashanah. We adapted traditional texts to reflect humanistic beliefs, and we used English poetry and prose to inspire us rather than page after page of Hebrew text. Our services are focused on human forgiveness of each other and ourselves, rather than petitioning a god for cosmic atonement and one more year in a supernatural book of life. And we do not believe in the Jewish tradition of kol isha erva, the voice of a woman singing is like nakedness. At our gender-integrated congregation of kol chadash, a new voice, we appreciate the incredible beauty of our all-gender choir. I do not think anyone walked here tonight to observe the prohibition on lighting a fire by driving an internal combustion engine. If you did walk, Kolakavod, all honor to you, even if I have chosen differently. You may be interested to know that two months ago, the conservative movement's Rabbinic Committee on Jewish Law and Standards debated whether or not one could use an electric car on Shabbat and Jewish holidays, <laughs> after all, there's no fire. The committee issued two opinions. If the ratio is two Jews, three opinions, I guess it's one committee, two opinions. The opinion in favor of allowing electric cars on holy days received 10 votes for, 6 votes against, and 5 abstentions. The opinion opposed to electric car usage was also approved 11 in favor, 5 opposed, and 5 abstentions. However, Conservative rabbinical students are not allowed to travel by car on Shabbat, and Israeli conservative Jews have rejected the car permission entirely, electric or otherwise. With one ruling in favor and one opposed, each American conservative congregation and their members will make their own choices, as American Jews tend to do anyways. One of the ways humanistic Jews are non-traditional is that we are not limited by what Jewish law has to say about driving on Rosh Hashanah, about what we eat, or where we sit in synagogue, or who can sing, or whom we marry. Humanistic Jews can learn about Jewish law as a record of historic and current Jewish practice, as an expression of Jewish values, as a conversation about meaning making in the world, but we are not bound by its ritual prohibitions. Our Judaism is ours not theirs. The conservative movement issued multiple opinions on using an electric Rosh (laughs) Hashanubah. The fact that they accepted one in favor and one opposed and Jewish people are going to do what they want to anyways, that demonstrates a Jewish tradition that we value. The tradition of argument, debate, and sometimes agreeing to disagree. Two Jews and three opinions the Jewish person on an island who builds both their own synagogue and the one they won't set foot in, (laughs) the argument over which way to observe a particular tradition when in fact the argument itself is actually the tradition. There is a Jewish tradition of debate, and there are also Jewish traditions of banning heresy and expelling those who violate community norms, Jewish traditions of prescribing belief and demanding conformity, The Jewish battle between diversity and conformity is just one more argument within the Jewish tradition. That model of Jewish debate and coexistence despite disagreement from Talmud to today is not just useful for Jews. What is Jewish is human, too. The first talking movie was The Jazz Singer in 1928, and it is a very Jewish story. Jack, the son of a cantor, wants to sing jazz in bars, while his father wants his son, Yaakov, to be a pious Jew and sing Kol Nidre on Yom Kippur. Jack leaves home for jazz and the wider world. He becomes famous, but his heartstrings are pulled every time he hears Kol Nidre. Back in New York for his Broadway debut, Jack is torn between loyalty to family and tradition and his own opportunity and joy torn between being Yaakov and being Jack. In the Hollywood ending, Jack manages to both sing Kol Nidre and debut on Broadway, with his Yiddish mama and his blonde girlfriend sitting in the audience together. (laughs) Why was the jazz singer a smashing success? It's such a Jewish story. Part of it was the amazing technology for the day, part of it was Al Jolson's magnetic personality, At its heart, the movie is a Jewish story about grappling with tradition, the old country versus new ideas, ancient tradition versus the attraction of fast music and beautiful people. That story is a very human story. Between 1880 and 1920, more than 20 million immigrants came to the United States. Two million were Jewish, many of them our ancestors, Over 18 million were Italian, German, Chinese, and they grappled with the same issues. The old country versus new ideas, ancestral tradition versus the creativity of dynamic culture. The jazz singer was an American story, a human story, the story we are still living. Clearly, we have a complicated relationship with tradition, and we do not all have the same relationship with tradition. My father grew up in a Syrian Jewish Orthodox household. He attended public school with religious school afterwards seven days a week, regular attendance at services on Shabbat, but it was a more relaxed orthodoxy. Nevertheless, the belief system was very traditional. Growing up, he was absolutely convinced that a God was watching what he did and keeping score, writing his name in the Book of Life, making a list and checking it twice. As my father became an adult, he rejected that belief system, eventually settling in humanistic Judaism where I was raised. He and I had different relationships to tradition. When I was in college, occasionally he would come to visit his family in Brooklyn, New York, and I would come down on the train to spend the weekend with them as well. Once during one of those visits, we were at a family dinner, and my father's brother, who had never left that community or that mindset, asked me what I was studying in college. I was majoring in Jewish studies. And so I mentioned I was taking an interesting class on the Jews of Spain. My uncle said, oh, so you must have been learning about how they sinned and sinned and they were punished for their sins by being expelled. Now I could see my father begin to inflate, (laughs) ready to argue all the points that were made. And so I said to my uncle instead, I said, well, this class focuses more on politics and economics and those kind of factors, we don't get into theology very much. It's more about history. And so my uncle said, oh, okay, that makes sense. As my father and I were walking home after dinner that night, he turned to me and he said, I saw what you did there. You see, I didn't have to fight. My father's experience with his Jewish tradition was rejection, rebellion, self-emancipation, resistance to what had been forced down his throat. My father's family had absolutely rejected his first marriage, which was to a lapsed Polish Catholic, and their indifference to his three children from that partnership still rankled him. My experience was curiosity, exploration, understanding without any fear that my Jewish freedoms were at risk. You see, my mother was Jewish. During those occasional visits, we would attend Shabbat morning services at his family's Orthodox synagogue. For him, it was a visit to the past. For me, it was an anthropological expedition, (laughs) studying Jewish practices very different from my own. Yet those practices were still related to me, part of my family tree if a bit further back and a bit further away. Some humanistic Jews share my father's experience breaking away from a strict religious tradition that no longer spoke to them. Some of us here share mine, raised in a self-aware, secular, or humanistic Jewish approach. Some of us were raised just Jewish, doing things their own way in an eclectic mix of nostalgia, creativity, and practicality, holding Passover seders on the Saturday during Passover week instead of on the first or second night, lighting Hanukkah candles when the kids were home from college instead of on schedule. Some of us were raised in conventional religious Jewish identities with synagogues and rabbis and prayer books and prescribed beliefs and practices, which our family followed in our own eclectic way. Some of us were told we were Jewish, but that was it for content and experience. And some of us were not even told that, but discovered later in life that we had Jewish heritage. Some of us became part of the Jewish story later, through marriage to someone Jewish, or through our own personal journey. And many of us are a little of each of those. The irony for me is that my tradition is Eifo-Ori and Naase Shalom and doing what we humanistic Jews do when we do Jewish. That's my tradition. In fact, the melody that we use today for Eifo-Ori is not the traditional melody I learned growing up that had been written in the 1970s. The version we use was composed in the 1990s. Secular Israelis think of the song Mi Ha'ish as one of their secular, traditional Jewish hymns. It quotes the Bible. But if they actually read Psalm 34, on which the song is based, they don't feel like it's traditional at all. It's not their traditional secular song. If you look up Psalm 34 and then look up the lyrics to Mi Ha'ish, you will see how picking and choosing can turn a pious psalm into a humanistic hymn that resonates with this traditional source. That's the key point when it comes to Jewish tradition or to any complicated relationship. We all pick and choose. The ultra-Orthodox do not read Yehuda Amichai or Leah Goldberg or our Rabbi Emeritus Daniel Friedman. We do not generally read the Chatam Sofer or the Sfat Emet or other Orthodox authorities. Even the traditional prayer book is a collage of verses from all over the Hebrew Bible, cut and paste, pick and choose, create and recreate. So too with our complicated relationships. There are times we are closer with each other and there are times we need space to do our own thing. Sometimes we agree, Sometimes we do not, even as we stay in relationship. To lighten the heated argument at home, I have occasionally told my children, I always love you, but right now I don't particularly like you. (laughs) That's a complicated relationship, but it's real and it's honest. And if we're honest about it, we can get past the conflict to a better connection. Jewish tradition is a cafeteria We can stop at any one of many stations to explore what tastes best to our palate. When we sit down to eat together, your tray will look different from mine, and that's just fine. What do you think of as traditional Jewish food? Many people point to a bagel with lox and cream cheese. I hate to break it to you, but bread in a circle dates back to Roman times. Rings of dough that are boiled and then baked appear in a 13th century Syrian cookbook as a dish called Kaak, and a Polish equivalent of boiled then baked bread is described in writing at the end of the 14th century. The first Jewish reference to a bagel is 200 years after that. Lox comes from a common uh, Indo-European root for salmon. And cream cheese was invented in America in the 1870s. (laughs) Never mind the debate today over the authentic bageldom of Asiago cheese bagels or blueberry bagels. (laughs) And bagels today are sold and eaten everywhere by everyone. Does that mean that bagel with lox and cream cheese is not Jewish tradition? Ridiculous. Of course it is. It is just not exclusively Jewish and not universally Jewish either. My father's traditional Jewish foods from his Syrian Jewish mother's table included majedra, a dish with lentils and rice, bidichol, a bulgur wheat with thin pasta, ijib adunes, an omelet made with potatoes, and even baked circles of dough called kaak. This beautiful cookbook is called Aromas of Aleppo. The author's name is Pupa Dweck, and it's the same last name as my grandmother's maiden name, Dweck. It is an entree into Jewish foods far beyond bagels and kugel. It's still traditional. It's still Jewish. Maybe new to you, but part of the Jewish cafeteria of choices to create your own tradition. Tradition is an inheritance. And an inheritance is a complicated relationship. We usually receive an inheritance after a loss. The ones who owned the item before us may have used it very differently than we might choose to, if we choose to keep it at all. What we inherit becomes ours as well as theirs, theirs through history and memory and association, ours in the present and in the future. Are we to be museum curators of Jewish tradition, trying to preserve it? Or are we true heirs who choose whether and how to incorporate that inheritance into our lives? Our inheritance is ours, yet our lives are our lives to live. Complicated? Sure. Complication is an opportunity for creativity. At the end of a beautifully written survey of modern Jewish history, as Jews went from a world of traditional authority to the complicated freedom we enjoy, historian Howard Sacker concludes with this message. You may recognize this passage as something we have chosen for our services and celebrations. Its message articulates what we do and who we are. There are those who now look back in complacency and indifference, who accept the fruits of the long journey but ignore the bitter cost of liberation and its lessons in tenacity and endurance. They are the strangers and the road passes them by. There are others who look back in gratitude and humility, who remember that few present blessings have been won without the sacrifices of the past, who continually reevaluate the spiritual and cultural treasures that the travail of the journey has produced. These are the true heirs of the generations. And for them, the long and agonizing journey has been worthwhile. I wish you all a hearty Shana Tova, a happy and healthy new year.
0: Thank you for listening to the Kol Hadash podcast. To learn more, support, and membership to Kol Hadash, visit kolhadash.com. To learn more about secular humanistic Judaism, visit shj.org.